Hey there, this is Andrew bringing you another Keyforge card set review. This time we're going to be going over Logos in Worlds Collide. And I have with me my brother-in-law, Stuart. Hi, thanks for having me along. No problem, thanks for joining me. So uh, before we get started, uh, would you just give us a quick overview of how you got into Keyforge and your Keyforge career so far? Um, well, I reluctantly got into Keyforge because uh, my brother-in-law, Andrew, oh wait, that's you, drug yeah, uh, yeah. me Guilty. along. Um, I, I realized that when I tended to play games or do things that I tended to put a lot of time and energy into them and I was having too much energy invested in Netrunner already. And so um, initially I was very slow to think that I could add another one along, but um, tried a few games. Uh, realized that things were sort of shifting towards a uh, netrunner not being quite as popular, and uh, eventually took the leap to switch over completely. Nice. I'm as far as my Keyforge career, uh, I was been very glad to go to different events. My um, first tournament I ever went to, I feel like I got very lucky because I went to a sealed event, and then I opened up a horseman deck and proceeded to uh, get second place because the person I played against got probably the luckiest draw I've ever seen in a tournament. They had a deck with uh, two John Smiths and a Zookeeper and got it down on the table. I think it was turn two. And I uh, still almost won, but not quite. Um, and it was adaptive. So the my deck totally trashed myself the second round because I didn't get such a lucky draw. So that was fun. Good deck, second place. Um, I went to a vault tour in Las Vegas and uh, got to do a bunch of side events. And the main event, I ended up going two and four, but it was probably the best event for me ever because I learned so much. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely at least one of those matches I lost simply because I miscounted with a Ganka deck and ended up with one card in my deck that would have won the game, but left that one card in the deck by miscounting with how I did stuff. So mistakes were made and lessons were learned. Mm -hmm. Probably the most beneficial. Um, the last couple tournaments I've done, I've all gotten top eight in all of them, but haven't managed to get any farther. Um, but I definitely feel like I've improved a lot, and I think in the last two chain bounds and three tournaments, I'm about 20 and eight. Um, so winning most of the games, and then all the people I lose to manage to either win the tournament or get top eight anyway. So um, definitely I've learned a lot, and I appreciate uh, all the uh, lessons that I've learned from playing with people online in particular from making mistakes on my own. Awesome. Oh, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, so we'll we'll pick up from there. Um, okay, <clears throat> sweet. Thanks for sharing. Uh, so next up we have some questions that I like to get started with. And the first question is, uh, if you open up a deck and you see that, or you're, let's say you're sitting across from an opponent and they have a World Collide deck with logos in it, what capabilities are you expecting that deck is gonna have because it has logos in, in the deck? I think play faster is always what I think of when I see logos. Um, a lot of the triggers you can get just automatically by either discarding or choosing or archiving cards or just getting extra card draw. Um, Whenever I look at a, a deck, there's a lot of cards that if I'm playing them, I know I want to keep them alive. And if they have them, I know I want to uh, make mm -hmm. sure they're dead immediately or my chances of winning just went down 10% if there was one turn they left, stayed on the table. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, totally. So yeah, I, I agree. I definitely, the overall theme is just, it, it's going to make your deck faster. Um, hopefully there's some archiving, some draw, there's a little bit of warding, um, maybe a little bit of stealing historically some house cheating but it's it's a little less in worlds collide than it was in previous sets and i'm also hoping for some direct damage in logos too and then very new in worlds collide is logos boosting key cost which didn't used to be a thing um so yeah pretty pretty good stuff mm -hmm. and i find that in the best case scenarios logos decks enable me to uh have you know whereas in a in a typical deck i might you know without logos i might be playing three cards every turn on average uh logos can hopefully get me into a situation where i'm playing four or five cards average every turn uh that would be the the best case scenario yeah um cool okay uh what house let's say you, you know you're at a sealed tournament you open up a deck it has logos what one other house are you hoping to get uh next to logos that's tough because honestly i think about that with logos no matter what other house i get i want logos with it uh-huh uh, i know at least for me my two best decks both have logos in it and they both do better because they they have logos mm-hmm um as far as what other houses that go with it, I think that uh, anything that'll keep the creatures alive or synergize with it is really good. Um, mm -hmm. the, the one that comes to mind right now is Star Alliance, mm -hmm. just because I know that they can work together so well. One of my really good decks has Star Alliance, and so you can end up using the abilities on the Logos cards better, either in that case, uh, Daughter, because of the extra card draw, or the Wormholtz Technicians or Hapsis can take turns on the Star Alliance turn. Mm -hmm. So you end up being able to choose Star Alliance, but still getting tons of value out of yep. everything else. Yep. Yeah, totally. Star Alliance can really also help speed the deck up, and between the two of them, you, you get, like, insanely fast decks. Um, so for mine, I, I put Dece, and I think, like you said, anything really is going to be better off because of the Logos. Um, Dece has some opportunities to, like... Uh, pull things back from the from the discard pile uh mm -hmm. if that's what's appropriate so if you're going for if you have like an e-die deck these can make it really nice um and additionally yep. i think that uh Dece and sarian are probably out of all the houses two in worlds collide that that really have things that can benefit from being able to throw stuff in archives uh, so you can have like big power turns where you do, you know, play a play an eye on the fringes and discard eight cards or uh, something like that. So yep, yeah. there's definitely a lot of good combos there, and I think the Exume Eda combo is in a lot of good decks. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of good comments. Um, cool. What's your what's your favorite in-house combo? I think. That I was going back to that. I was trying to think of the the simplest one that always just makes me happy to see that I've actually seen in decks. Um, and I think the the simplest one, because it's so simple, is just having mimic gel with anything else. Mm. 
Um, if you get mimic jail, you can do whatever you want to do better, whether mm -hmm. it's mimicking an Edai or a daughter or anything else that mm -hmm. you just want to have on the table. Um, I feel like just mimic jail combined with any other logos card just makes it that much better. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, that's a fun card because it, it scales. So it's a one card combo, but I think it's real good. <laughs> yeah, it combos well with just about anything. Um, yeah, mine I put is uh, is Edai plus Wormhole Technician. Um, that's really good. The the ability to to keep archiving, adding things to archives, um, or even like you know have several things in archives by the time you get to the Edai, is is nice and it can help get you into that situation where maybe you want to take like three or four logos turns in a row if you can keep those things on the board because um, yep, every turn that happens that way is, is really good the other thing and i actually have two that i played in tournaments recently um that both have dysanium and another just one card combo that just makes the other person play their game differently mm -hmm. and yep. so it really disrupts those kind of combos but with just one card yeah yeah, totally. Uh, okay, what uh, what Maverick would you like to see in a Logos setup? They're all fun. I think that the the one that I feel like would have the most opportunity just to immediately be effective is Ghost Form, because mm. there's different cards that if you put them on the table and they stay alive for any period of time, just hurt your opponent so so much. I feel like you're um, answering about Anomaly. Oh, not you're Maverick. right. I'm answering about Anomaly. I might have said it wrong. That's okay. We'll we'll come back to Maverick. So yeah, yeah, Ghost Form uh, for sure. So yeah, Ghost Form is the one I would go for as far as anomalies, just because yeah. it makes it so that like the bibliophile, which if if you don't kill it the first turn, your odds of winning just went down mm -hmm. significantly. Um, that can be the case with a hapsis depending on the board or even a quant. And so just being able to kill things immediately is so important, and Ghost Form prevents that uh, in a lot of ways better than warding. Yeah. Yeah, so I put for um, for the for the for the anomaly, I put time quake, and my reason there is um, because if you if you have any significant board presence and you time quake on a logos turn, the chances that you're gonna draw cards that then like further accelerate you are pretty good, um, and you're likely to draw through your whole deck. I would also love to see a deck with like Time Quake plus Data Forge. I think that would be a super cool combo. Um, and I'm sure it, it exists, exists out there somewhere. But yeah. Um, actually, I'll search for it while we're talking. But yeah, seems like a seems like it would be a I fun combo. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Okay, so now yeah, back to Maverick. What um, what Maverick would you like to see? Um. Anything that's going to make Logos do what it does better, which is go fast. Um, I guess it would be more legacy at this point, but I'd love to see a phase shift uh, pop in there at any time. And then as yes. far as... Phase shift is what I wrote for legacy as well. Um, as far as Mavericks, you just want to keep those things on the board, so maybe like an Imperium or something that's going to ward creatures and get them stuck there. Um, and make it so that you're not going to have issues with triggering them the way you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Countersuit, for, I guess, mm -hmm. would also fit with that, too. Yeah, if you, yeah, dropping an countersuit on an E-Day or something can be really nice. Um, but if it was in Logos, during your Logos turn, even better. 
yeah, bonkers. Um, oh yeah, there. By the way, there is a. Uh, I see multiple decks that have Time Quake in Logos with a Data Forge. So amazing. Yeah, I know, I know. Super cool. Are you buying one now? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'll have to see what they're listed for. Um, cool. Okay, yeah. And for yeah, for my Maverick, it would be Exhum. Just because I think like being able to, to pull back... Uh, I think, you know, Exhum in Dece with Edai is fantastic. Um, getting it in Logos would be great, too. Uh, it's just... It, it works really nicely. Uh, cool. Okay, so let's go ahead and start digging into the cards. Um, we'll be going... Uh, through by number so uh, I think it goes it, it'll definitely go common uncommon uh, rare and then um, and then I think inside of that it's just alphabetical uh, so yeah so to start out we'll be talking about oh it, do you have any anything else you want to say before we jump into the cards um <laughs> no i think that that's it for the, the moment um like I, said, I feel like i'm always happy when i get logos just because it's going to make whatever i have that much better and in my case my best two decks have logos and that's why they're good decks it's because all the stuff that they do they do a lot faster and better yeah i you um, know, you, you said I before get... we jumped on that uh you know there aren't i i think you were you're being a little bit um you're, you're using a little bit of hyperbole, but you said there really aren't any bad Logos cards, and it's mostly true. I think there are very few <laughs> Logos cards that I'm sad to see, so they just are, I mean, they're just great. Yep. If they have an Amber Pip on them, then I'll take them anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, like the my two best decks, and I guess this is the last thing before we get into digital cards, one has three daughters, and one has three mothers. So they both just increase your hand size, and increase yeah. your speed exponentially. Yeah. And with those cards one of the cool things is that you don't have to actually get them to trigger. Um, right. And so they just happen automatically and you're getting that benefit immediately. Yeah, and even if they only stay out for a turn, like, it's not terrible. And yeah, if they stay out longer, the you're really happy. Ones. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, the first, first card we're looking at is Babbling Bibliophile. It's a one-power cyborg scientist with Reap Draw Two Cards. So I learned a lesson in uh, that Las Vegas turn I was telling you about uh, one of the side events. I believe I would have won this game, but I made the mistake of leaving a Sutterkin on the table for one turn. Mm -hmm. um, and it drew like six cards, I think, the next turn. Yep. I will never make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bibliophile's in that category. If yep. you let it stay on the table, your odds of winning went down 5 to 15% that turn immediately yeah and so it's the kind of thing you have to kill at all possible and if you aren't able to your chances of winning are going to be that much rougher yeah it is real it's real good for sure uh the you know the only downside is it's so it's so wimpy right so it is quite easy to kill but at the same time uh it is if it stays out i mean i think it's um it is on the order on the same order of like impact as uh, as Dusk Witch, almost. Like, it's that important to kill. Almost. Uh, cool. So next up is Cutthroat Research. It's an action 
with a bonus amber, and when you play it, you steal two if your opponent has eight or more. Yep, I'm never sad to see it. Obviously, situationally, it's not going to always hit, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely don't mind having it in the deck for the Amber Pip, and if um, I have a way to increase key cost, which if we're just right. looking at Logos, that tends to be Edai, um, then it makes it that much better. Yeah, I think uh, having this exist in the same card pool... So in, in AOA, I did not consider this a great card, but mm -hmm. having it be in the same pool with Edai and... Uh, information exchange which will come up later uh both of them it makes it a much better card all of a sudden mm -hmm. i totally agree okay uh you you want to read the next one uh sure next couple next card is daughter it's a two power cyborg scientist that's also elusive uh the text on it says during your draw card step refill your hand to one additional card as I mentioned earlier, one of my best decks has three of these. Uh, it definitely really speeds up the deck every time you're able to draw extra cards, because that usually means you're also able to play extra cards. So the yep. first turn you get it down, you're going to need to draw an extra card, and hopefully the next turn you get to play an extra card because of that. And so you've actually gained two cards just by playing it once. Yeah, and I mean, we had... Um, we, we played a match recently of Adaptive where um, I, I took the... In game three, I took the the better deck for 19 chains, but because I was able to get a daughter down on turn one, uh, and you didn't have any immediate response for it, um, I mean, I think you, you were able to stun it pretty quickly, but you, you weren't able to kill it. Um, mm -hmm. I think you said it was like I had only bid 13 chains effectively, uh, which I yep. agree with. Yeah. And yes, especially if you're dealing with uh, adaptive or chains, um, daughters could basically negate that for the time they're on the table, which yeah. is big. Yep, very big. Uh, okay. And then next one? Uh, Edai, Eddie, a day, 4x4, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, it has many names. It is a 3-power creature, uh, AI scientist. It says, play, archive a card, and then below that it says, your opponent's keys cost plus 1 amber for each card in your archives. Uh, I think this is one of the most popular cards in the set, especially at tournaments, just because it has an immediate uh, multi-effect. You get a creature on the table, you get an archive of cards, it's going to speed up your deck, and you can change the uh, key cost for your opponent. And if you have more than one, then they stack, and so it becomes quite effective and also combos with Cutthroat or any other uh, stealing effect like uh, too much to protect or even burning, like burn the stockpile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it's a it's a fantastic card, uh, and and the the fact that it is a you know it's a great target for Exum, um, it's like it's it's definitely something you want to ward if you can, um, and then you just factor in that archiving is already good. I mean, if you had a three power creature that said play archive a card, it would be it would be good enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, the fact that you get to boost the key cost is just awesome. Yep. All right. Next up is Igor. This is back from Age of Ascension. It's a two-power cyborg creature. And its playability is look at the top three cards of your deck, add one to your hand, and discard the others. And, I mean, that's just a great 
filtering mechanism. Um, I think early on, some players have trouble learning to like this because they feel like, oh, I don't want to discard things. But uh, if you know, you're always discarding the two worst cards out of the three, um, which puts a lot of power in your hands as the player. It really gives you more agency. Um, and I love cards that, that do that for me. Um, yeah. I, I think with all competitive card games that I've ever played, one thing you realize you don't need more cards, you need the right cards at the right time and better cards. Yeah. Um, I think all the way back to playing, the first one I did was actually Star Trek CCG. Mm -hmm. And they originally had a card limit rule, and then they changed the rule where you could have as many cards in your deck, but you had certain limits on certain kinds of cards. Yeah. And most of the decks that went after that were decks that went with the smallest number of cards they had could have because they were the most efficient. Right. Um, so that was my first interest in that concept. And Pokemon's pretty similar, where you don't need a bunch of cards, but you want the right ones. Uh, yeah. Same with Netrunner. They had card minimums, but not card maximums, because you need the right cards at the right time. And so yeah. being able to control that and speed that up with Igor is, is absolutely amazing. Um, there's many good decks that will have two or three of them. Yes. And discarding four cards might seem counterintuitive, but if you don't need them at that moment, they're a waste. And they're slowing you right. down from what you want to do. Right. And I think the like some of the interesting uh, questions with Igor come in like, you know, if I draw a card that I think will be really high impact in two turns and another card that will be nice now, you know, which do I keep? But, you know, if that's the choice I'm having to make as a player, like, I'm really happy, right? I'm choosing between a good card now or a great card later and, um, and Igor, you know, put that decision in my lap so yeah it's fantastic which is also much better than not knowing that those are coming up right and not knowing if you'll have them at the right time right yeah absolutely uh cool so um so next up is hapsis hapsis is a five power mutant scientist and it says after an enemy creature is destroyed fighting hapsis ward it and draw a card um and I, I'll just say my, um, I have, I think Hapsis is situational. It's sometimes very good and it's sometimes not very good. Um, and it depends on what other cards are with it and what you're playing against. Uh, but when it's good, it's very good. I actually would say the same thing. If you have a deck that has good board state or you're and trying to keep that up, um, and fighting through and drawing cards, it's real good. Like if you either have a deck that has a lot of Logos board state and you want to stay on board uh, with Logos, it's great. Or you have cards to let you use Hapsis while it's not a Logos turn. It's going to be exponentially better. Mm -hmm. um, I'm never sad to see it. It definitely works better in groups. If I have one Hapsis, I definitely don't think it's as good as if I see two or three mm. work together. Right, yeah, for sure. Uh, cool. Uh, you, you go ahead. Hologramophone is an artifact. It does have an amber pip. Uh, it's considered an item. And then the action is ward or creature. One of those cards that's definitely better in some situations, but I'm never sad to see it. It's a free amber pip. It's not going to hurt to throw it down on the table. And then there are times where being able to ward the right creature at the right time is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Edai is usually a good target. Uh, this is actually very nice with Hapsis because... If your opponent like plinks the hapsis with some direct damage, you can just reward it before you fight with it. 
um, you know, enabling it to stay online longer. So really nice. All right. Information exchange is the next card. It's an action. It says play steal one amber. If your opponent stole amber from you on your previous turn, steal two instead. Uh, great card to have in Logos because it's always nice to steal amber. And obviously if the other person is fighting you for amber with them stealing it, then it's that much better. Yeah, I have a couple decks with multiples of these. And if you can ever pull off a turn where like your opponent uh, steals one and then you play two information exchanges and steal four back um it's it feels very good <laughs> um uh, that's you know that's an edge case but it 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 feels very good it's it's a great card and i think i love like because there's a few things in worlds collide that say no to stealing and those are really strong um but i also love having this option where it's like eh, go ahead steal i don't care because I am going to steal more. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So next up, this is we talked about there being no bad cards. This is one that I get less excited about, although it's sometimes very good. Uh, but Quant is a three-power human scientist, and after Quant reaps, you may play one non-logos action card during this turn. Importantly, you don't have to play it right you know, immediately after reaping, that it creates a lasting effect that you're allowed to play one non-logos action card. And obviously if you reap with two of them, then the effect is cumulative. You get to play two non-logos action cards. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely a really car good card. And obviously depending on what actions it can make it so you can just stay on logos multiple turns. Uh, one of my my better decks that uh, it's not quite consistent enough for me to always play it, but it has it's two or three quants in it, and it makes it so that you can spend four or five turns in a row on Logos until they deal with it. Yeah. Um, which can do a lot of good stuff because you're still moving through your deck, you're still using everything on the board, and you're not taking those turns where you're just setting up and playing stuff. Yeah, I think I like I like quant best if you get it with cards like uh, Phalanx Strike or Zap or Red Alert, things that. Um, you know, actions that are going to help you keep board control, because that way, um, that suddenly turns Logos turns into board control turns, which outside of Hapsis isn't usually the case. Mm -hmm. uh, cool. The next one is another one. I It's fine, but I, I don't love it. Uh, Sanitation Engineer is a four-power cyborg scientist with Hazardous One and Reap discard a card from your hand um we talked earlier i think that's like great filtering to be able to discard but i feel like more often than not i end up in a situation where i'm going to probably use my other logos cards to draw or things like that and end up using the sanitation engineer just as a body to fight um probably 90 percent of the time yeah it's generally too uh definitely not my favorite card by uh, but I don't feel like it's too bad, mm -hmm. and uh, there's times where it's real good. The other thing is, same as with uh, Igor, discarding a card can just be perfect mm -hmm. at times. Um, honestly, I wish I had Logos in one of my decks that has a Brobnar house. That the best way to play that deck is to discard half of the Brobnar cards. Uh, uh -huh. 
And so in those kind of situations where you just have cards that aren't useful or you don't want, it can really speed up your deck. So don't feel bad yeah. about having it, but it's also not going to be a game winner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, you take the next couple. The next card is Tau Tau Vapors. It's an action that says play, draw two cards, and archive a card. Um, definitely one of those cards that I always feel excited about having because it's going to let me speed up my deck and have more control, which is really what you want to do with a Logos because playing faster and deciding when and how you play stuff is, is what makes it a good house. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I got nothing to add there. Next card is Thorium Plasmate. It is a action with an amber pip on it. It says play, move an enemy creature anywhere in its controller's battle line. Deal two damage to that creature for each of its neighbors that share a house with it. Situationally, this card can be amazing, but I never feel too bad about having it. It's another amber pip that keeps things moving, and it occasionally can be really cool to move something that was in the position where it had a taunt situation, mm -hmm. so that can be awesome. And then being able to deal two to four damage to a creature uh, just from one action is, is fantastic. Yeah, I think w when you can pull off the four damage, it's great. Um, I think I would almost always rather, I think I would always rather have a twin bolt than this. Um, but it's not a bad card. It's it's fine. I think there's only a few cases where you could argue it wasn't better because you're gonna do more damage with Twin Bolt in those cases. Yeah. But but it's it's I mean Thorium Plasma is fine and the move can occasionally be interesting. Worlds yep. Collide definitely cares more about placement than the other sets. Mm -hmm. Uh okay. Speaking of moving things around, um. Titan Guardian is, is one you might want to move things around. Um, it's a five power beast and cyborg with one armor. And it has taunt. This is the only so far. Oh, actually, no, there's another one in this set. But uh, this is the first set that has taunt creatures in Logos. Um, and Titan Guardian has a destroyed ability that says if it's not on a flank, you draw two cards. So you're, you're protecting your little creatures. And at the same time, when they go through the Titan Guardian to get to the little creatures, you're going to get to draw two cards. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's pretty good. It does everything you want in Logos as far as uh, making you play faster. The the new mechanic to be able to protect your little Logos creatures is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, it it like fills such a gap in um you know in Logos, so it's it's great. Agreed. Uh, and yeah, and then here's that Twin Bolt emission. It's an action with a bonus amber uh, that says play, deal two damage to a creature and two damage to a different creature. Uh, this has been, you know, this is an old card. This is from, from Coda, but um, still very good. And I think even a little extra good in Worlds Collide meta because um, that two damage can plink a ward off. Uh, or can blink two wards off potentially. So, in you know old world, uh, you know in Coda, I'm playing against Brobnar, and they have a bunch of six power creatures. Doing two damage to each of them doesn't feel very big. Um, but if I'm playing against Sarian and everything's warded, and I can knock off two wards, that feels much more impactful. Yep. 
Um, in every deck, you want to have a way to immediately kill creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a way that gives you an amber pip and does that. Yep. Absolutely. Having right. multiples is that much better. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Your turn. Wild Wormhole is the next card. It's an action with an Amber Pip. It says play. Play the top card of your deck. Uh, this card is one of the most fun cards that you can have because you always get to have some surprises. It's very rare where you get to play the card with only one card left in your deck and actually know what's coming. <laughs> um, yeah. It does what Logos wants where it gives you Amber faster and gets you moving faster because you're actually playing two cards and not just one. And, uh, you know, if you can keep track of what you have in your deck and what you want when to play it, there's a, a huge upside and, and you can mitigate any downsides. Uh, one of my favorite decks that I opened from World's Clyde actually has four Wild Wormhole. And it's a uh, it's definitely an above average deck, but it's just fun because you, you're flying through it because you're playing an extra four cards for free. So it may as well be a 32-card deck. Yep. Uh... Cool, and then uh, right after Wild Wormhole. Uh, it's a Wormhole Technician. It's a three-power creature, cyborg scientist. It says Reap. Reveal the top card of your deck. If it is a Logos card, play it. Otherwise, archive. So good. I, I believe that this is Andrew's favorite card in Logos ever, just because if it <laughs> sticks on the table, it can be so good. Um, yeah. When you look at the number of cards that penalize archiving, they're so rare yeah. that being able to archive is super strong. And um, if you can just stay on Wormhole Technician a couple turns in a row, you can really fly through your deck where you're getting Amber and you're speeding up your deck by getting them out of your hand and being ready to set up power turns in the future. It is everything you want in a good Logos card. Yeah, yeah, it's super good, for sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, a three-power body isn't terrible um yeah it's it's a great card for sure uh okay so next up is oh we're i guess we're into that's that's still calm right so now we're into uncommon territory and uh the first one is anomaly exploiter which i affectionately like to call anomaly exploder um it's an artifact an item and it exhausts to destroy a damaged creature um and I feel like this has, I feel like this has gotten better in Worlds Collide slightly, but it's, I th- it's always been pretty good. It's always been a pretty good card. Um, I think mostly it allows you to punish people for destroying your tiny little Logos creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so it works out. Yeah, it definitely does a good job of dealing with things that you might not otherwise be able to kill easily. And it combos great with any of the little ways that Logos has to plink some damage either, like the Twin Bolt of Thorium Plasmate or Positron or any other thing that would give it some damage but not actually be able to kill it, especially when you're talking about big creatures. So it combos well with a lot of Logos cards that would kill something small, and it gives you a great way to kill something huge that you might not have a better way to deal with. Yep. Uh, next up, and this this really is like one of my favorites. I don't get to see it enough. Is uh, is Candle Unit, and Candle Unit 
is a five power robot with one armor. Uh, it has action capture one, which is pretty good, but more importantly, it says after an enemy creature reaps, draw a card. And I think like like AOA had so much reap hate that came in the form of punishing the opponent for reaping. And I love in Worlds Collide that they've gone the direction with uh, between this and um, uh, Psionic Officer Ling, I think they, they've gone the direction of saying, nope, instead um, your opponent can reap all they want and you are going to get a benefit from it. So, um, so it doesn't hurt the opponent at all to reap. It's just helping you a lot. And the, the body of Candle Unit is like big enough that sometimes they let you get away with it. <laughs> That's very true. I would say, especially when I played casual or lower level games, as I've been improving, like people would actually let this trigger. But it is such a good trigger that when you're playing someone that's serious about the game or in a tournament, they're going to do everything they can to kill it yeah. and even give away whatever reaping benefits they have because it's really that good. Yeah, totally. I Yeah, I think like... I realized back in Coda, people would often really prioritize killing Succubus, but they wouldn't prioritize killing Mother. Um, and I think people have mostly learned that they're, you know, they're the same thing. But um, yeah, I, I feel like well, obviously, Babbling Bibliophile is much easier to kill, but uh, this, you know, you should care as much about at least as much about killing candle unit as you do about killing babbling bibliophile um mm -hmm. it's just harder and so sometimes people let it stay i mean realistically in order for it to be an even trade you have to be able to get the amber and draw card every time you're reaping for it to really be worth it yes otherwise you're giving them a, a, an advantage yep absolutely so unless you're using dark person to reap it's not worth it yep uh, cool. Okay, you you go. Uh, Code Monkey is a three power creature. It's an AI beast. It has the uh, deployability, meaning it can interplay anywhere, which works perfect with its other playability, uh, which is play archive each neighboring creature. If this creature shares, uh, if those creatures share a house, gain two amber. Mm -hmm. Combos great with other logos cards you may have just played, especially if they had a play trigger. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if you play a uh, Edai and a Igor, both of them get to trigger their play abilities, and then you can archive them both and have a huge archives to work with the next turn or the next time you play Logos. Yep. Um, occasionally important, because this doesn't have the if you do, um, you can uh, you can play it in between two warded creatures, and it would pop the wards, but they wouldn't go to your archives, and you could still get the two Amber. So pretty cool sometimes in that situation as well. Uh, all right. The next card is Data Forge. It's an action with an Amber Pip. Play, you may forge a key at plus 10 Amber current cost, reduced by one Amber for each card in your hand. It's always nice to have a key cheat. I don't know that this is one of the best ones, but it definitely fits perfectly in Logos. If you yeah. have been been held off a key for some reason, this is your chance to do it mid-turn. And if you've been able to archive a lot, then uh, that can become a really cheap or very 
or even a free key if you have enough turns where you're putting away stuff in the archives. Yes, I got knocked out of a prime this way once because uh, I was I was sitting on a doorstep to heaven, uh, and my opponent played this uh, forging for they forged for an exorbitant amount, but they you know worked around the doorstep. So um, I I tend to think that this it's it's really hard to pull this off, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I having lost to it. <laughs> in that level of event I can't um I can't totally poo poo it. Um yeah. The cool. Next one mm -hmm. is combobulator. Mm -hmm. It's an upgrade with an amber pip. It says that this creature gains your amber cannot be stolen. Uh any card that keeps your amber from being stolen is fantastic because if you're playing against any house that steals, but in particular shadows, it becomes a priority target, and uh, they have to kill that unit, or their game plan could just get ruined. Yes, um, and interestingly, so Logos has—we'll see them both—but Logos has a couple of in-house options for creatures that are really sticky, um, and uh, I love if I can get Discombobulator on those because it. Uh, then the discombobulator is just going to stick forever. Probably. No, that's fair. And there's a lot of decks that have shadows in them that if they can't steal, they become really bad decks. Yes, absolutely. And so your your opponent's game plan went from stealing all your amber to having to figure out how to kill one creature before they can do anything else. Right. Yep. Uh, cool, yeah. So Dr. Millie is a two-power scientist with the play effect... For each creature your opponent controls in excess of you, not counting Dr. Millie, archive a card. So it is important that not counting Dr. Millie, so if your opponent has three creatures and you have two, and then you play Dr. Millie, you will still archive a card. Um, I'm usually not a big fan of, of uh, effects like this that want you to be behind on board in order to get <laughs> the win, but at least like in comparison to, say... Um, master the theory dr millie you just have to be slightly behind you don't have to be like have an empty board so i, th I think it actually is pretty good yeah it, it, because dr millie doesn't count uh all you have to do is have one creature on the board and you can actually gain the benefit yeah. which that alone makes it a decent card but obviously if you're ever in a situation where you're way behind it becomes a fantastic card yep yeah totally and especially if you can like you know drop this archive a couple cards play Edai Archive, your other card, like, you're, you're happy. Um, next up is Group Think Tank. That's a four-power robot experiment with three armor uh, that has an action that will deal four damage to each creature that shares a house with at least one of its neighbors. Um, interestingly, I mean, I think having, like, a four-power three-armor creature that can reap or fight is, is already pretty good. Um, Definitely, especially in Logos. Yeah, totally. So it's a nice body, and then on top of that, like, occasionally that action ability becomes good. Um, it's pretty situational, but um, when it's good, it's real good. I think that's a good way to say it. There's definitely a decks that I've seen where their board wipe tends to be, in, in, or in cases where I've had the card, my board wipe ended up being action, deal for damage each creature that shares a house. Right. And yes, when it triggers, it, it can turn the game pretty hard. Yep. And having a big fat creature to 
to either put a taunt on or to uh, put that discombobulator something on never hurts. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, you go ahead. Uh, interdimensional graft is an action with Amber Pip. Uh, not new to this set, but uh, definitely a good card. It says play. If an opponent forges a key on their next turn, they must give you their remaining Amber. Uh, great counter to those decks that just fly up on the Amber, either from stealing it or from creating it. Uh-huh. Uh, gives you a way in Logos to uh, have those turns where you still get to play lots of cards and keep up on the keys in the Amber. Yeah, and I think a couple interesting things about this are, number one, um, it's not steel. They're giving you the Amber, so um, this gets around all the steel hate. But the other aspect of it, I think, is if you get this in the deck with, let's say, a couple of E-Dies, um, then you, you have a way to push your opponent up pretty high, and then suddenly, like, ram your E-Dies into things, killing them off, or just pull your archives and play this, and uh, suddenly where they would have, you know, they have 10 Amber because they were hoping to forge for 9, um, and now suddenly they're forging for 6 and giving you the other 4, which is turns out is pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Jargoggle is a 2-power creature that's Beast and Mutant, also elusive. It says play, put a card from your hand face down on Jargoggle, and destroyed, if it is your turn, play the card under Dragoggle. Otherwise, archive that card. Mm -hmm. Perfect fit to the Logos house where you get to uh, have a little dude that does something awesome. Mm -hmm. Playing that card and saving it for later is going to speed up your deck because you had one less card in your hand. And uh, you definitely have some control about which card you put and how it's going to interact. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, and they did, importantly, they did um, uh, announce recently on, oh man, they, oh, I'm trying to think exactly where it is, but I think on the Crucible cast, they talked about how uh, you will have to choose between valid triggers. So what that means is that, uh, they, they actually didn't specifically say this applies to Jargoggle, but I think logically it will. Um, if you do get to trigger the playability multiple times and have multiple cards under Jargoggle, when it's destroyed, uh, you will only get to play slash archive one of them, uh, and that the rest would just fall off, unfortunately. Got it. Those it, fringe cages are always fun. Yeah, the only way to... Um, I think they could errata Jargoggle to fix that, and I would love them to do that, but we'll see how it turns out in the next rulebook. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so Memory Chip is an artifact that says after you choose Logos as your active house, archive a card. Um, that's really nice with Edai. Um, I mean, it's just really nice in general, but uh, super cool with Edai. Um... Yeah, but very actually very simple effect there. Simple but good. Yeah. If you can uh, basically add an extra card every turn and it's an artifact, it's like having that daughter or mother mm -hmm. on the table, but it can't be killed so easily. Yeah, the thing like the thing that's nice about let's say director of ZYX compared to this is the director fires whether you uh, whether you pick logos or not, but it is also easier to for your opponent to kill. Mm 
then Many Group Think Tank is a three power robot and experiment with two armor um, that has play, fight, reap, deal eight damage to a creature that shares the house with two of its neighbors. Um, and uh, yeah, this thing will really make people think hard about how they're setting up their, their boards, their battle lines. Um, and if you can work it out so that you're getting to shoot one of their creatures each time, you're pretty happy. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, if I am ahead on board state in a deck that uses this, I'll end up letting it sit there for a turn because it would not be advantageous for me to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I can, I'll try to set it up so that it's in a position where at some point I could like reap with it and have it shoot itself. Um, and, uh. I, I I prefer for it to have the option of shooting itself, but it can be quite good. Yep, it, it definitely doesn't hurt. Um, if you're ahead, it becomes a less powerful card. But if you're behind or even, then it becomes a great card to have available. Yeah. Yep. Well, and even if you are uh, ahead on board state, it it can be nice because. Uh, if your opponent has no board state, they're more likely to end up plopping. You know, if they do have three creatures of the same house in their hand, they're going to put the three down, and um, and so mini grouping tank almost becomes more relevant in that situation. It's just that you're more likely to take turns where you decide to let it sit there and not use it. Uh, cool. Okay, go for it. Next card is Positron Bolt. It's an action with Amber Pip. Play, deal three damage to a flank creature, deal two to its neighbor, and one to the second creature's other neighbor. Uh, great card just to either plink wards or knock out some little creatures that are in your way. It has an Amber Pip, so it's always going to make you happy. Yep. Totally. Next card is Quantum Finger Trap. It's an artifact with an Amber Pip. It says action. Swap the position of two creatures in the battle line. Definitely uh, not going to win tons of games, but situationally can be uh, game-changing when you can move creatures around to avoid taunt creatures on your opponent's side or in on either battle line when you can take the uh, leaders that want to be in the middle. Um, yes. and either push them to the middle on your side or take them away from your side. I, I have a Val deck with double finger trap, and that always makes me excited that, that that option will present itself quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It's like suddenly relevant once you have a leader involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and any uh, way you can deal with taunt is always nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. All right, so the next next card up is Reassembling Automaton. Um, this is what I was mentioning before is like a, a really nice um, place to put like a discombobulator, for example, um, or you know other um, other constant ability upgrades are really nice too, like um, uh, like Quadrocorder things like that. Um, so Reassembling Automaton is a three power robot experiment that has destroyed if you have any other creatures in play. Instead of destroying Reassembling Automaton, fully heal it, exhaust it, and move it to a flank. Um, and that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It definitely is very sticky on the board, so getting good upgrades on it can be really helpful. 
and uh, being able to just run it into things can also be really good if you're trying to deal with the other your opponent's board. Yes, I've really enjoyed playing decks where I can capture Amber onto this. Um, and uh, uh, just because if you, if you have any non-negligible board state, it, be, it just becomes a creature that will never leave the board unless your opponent has like a nature's caller lost in the woods or something like that. But especially against Swirls Collide decks, the tendency is it's never going to leave the board and anything you put on it, whether upgrade or amber, is is just going to sit there forever. <laughs> um, and then we have Remote Access, which is an action with a bonus amber. Uh, this is I think this has been in every set. Uh, but it's it's a great card. Um, you when you play it, you use an opponent's artifact as if it were yours. Really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, really nice. Makes it mm -hmm. relevant 100% of the time. Yeah. And being able to use the correct artifacts at the right time is amazing, especially if you're able to use one of the artifacts that sacrifices themselves, because then you get that benefit and your opponent doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And even outside of that, I think there are a lot of um, nice opportunities because uh, if you use their artifact it will stay exhausted and not uh, it won't ready itself until the end of their next turn um, mm -hmm. so it stays uh, stays there for a while um, yeah the only time you're sad is if you know you have this in your hand and the only artifact your opponent has is like a safe place or a um, or a your pocket. favorite logos. Yeah. Artifact. Yeah. But other than that, um, other than that, very, you know, very few edge cases, it's it's very good. Um, cool. Go for it. Uh, next is Seismo Entangler. It's an artifact. It says, action, choose a house during your opponent's next turn. Creatures of that chosen house cannot be used to reap. This is a great card to deal with board state. If your opponent has a lot of creatures on the board, especially if they have triggers that you do not want to fire and cannot kill them this turn, or you just want to get your Logos cards on the table first, uh, can really buy you time pretty significantly, especially if it's preventing three or more reefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never get excited about this card, but I've had it used very effectively against me, so I've, I've grown mm -hmm. to respect it more. Yep, there's, there's definitely times where it's not as effective, but if your opponent ever gets a bunch of creatures on the board at the same time, especially if they played a power turn, and preventing them from reaping can give you a, a full turn to do whatever you want, make it so they're not going to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's sort of like a poor advanced control of the week, because you can just take a turn and, and make it change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Academy Training is an upgrade. It says, if you control this creature, it belongs to House Logos instead of the original house. This creature gains Reap, draw a card. Anytime you can uh, turn Reaping and drawing a card also is, is great. Fits awesome with Logos. And then being able to take a creature that is not Logos and add it to there is awesome because it's not going to exhaust it. You're going to speed up your deck because you're playing that upgrade and immediately using that creature to Reap. Yes. Um, I once ended up sad because I hadn't thought things through all the way. And I, I had a Compsos Harispex and an Order Hisaro on the table. And uh, I, it, 
I realized, oh, this would be so cool, but I realized that putting this on Orator Hisaro is actually, with a Compso's harder specs out, is actually bad because it would make the Order Hisaro exalt its neighbors when it reaps, um, but then its neighbors would become uh, House Logos instead of Saurian. Or, they, sorry, they become Saurian rather than Logos, and thus you still would not <laughs> be able to use them. Um, but outside of that really bizarre edge case, which I have actually had happen in real life, um, this is a, I think it's a fantastic card. Next is Chaos Portal. It's an artifact. The action on it says choose a house. Reveal the top card of your deck. Is it, if it is that house, play it. This is one of the many cards that make it important to keep track of what you've got in your deck. Uh, if you can count houses, yep. your odds of getting this to trigger get really high. And since you're revealing it, you're not going to lose the card. So if you know what's in your deck, uh, in your deck, you definitely have a way to play it faster and play it on your logo. Yep, totally. Um, and yeah, and this is, uh, uh, by the way, we're a little bit into the rares now, but also this is a card that has been around since uh, since set one and was also in set two, so it's been pretty constant presence, and it's a, it's a fun card. More Logos shenanigans. Uh, cool, next up is Crazy Killing Machine. It is an artifact and also a weapon, and it exhausts to have you discard the top card of each player's deck. Um, for each of those cards, you destroy a creature or artifact of that card's house, if you're able to. And at the end of that, if two cards were not destroyed as a result of this, you destroy the Crazy Killing Machine. Um, so people get often a little confused about that, but um, basically you're going to uh, you know, discard the top card of each player's deck, um, and then take the two houses that were revealed and destroy something from each of those houses. Uh, and, and if you, if less than two things were destroyed, then the CKM itself dies. Um, so yeah, very nice. I, I think it's nice, especially because Logos doesn't have in general, a lot of hard destruction and this, this fills that gap nicely. It's always good to be able to kill things in Logos, especially those big creatures that are tough to kill. And um, if you're keeping track of your deck, you have a really good chance to know what you're going to deal with. Or you may have things on the table that you know you're willing to sacrifice to get your opponents. Also, if you're playing the same houses as your opponent, then there's even a better chance of you just killing their things and none of yours. Yeah, this is great in mirror matches for sure. Uh, next up is another card that's been in, in, uh, all three sets and is, but I think got way better, uh, in the world's collide meta. And that is Dysania. It is a four power mutant with play. Your opponent discards each of their archived cards and you gain an Amber for each card discarded this way. Um, the dream I think is to have your like Edai, Infernus, Exhum combo and have Dysania because suddenly you're the... Edai Infernus Exhum that can eat all the other Edai uh, Exhums. Yeah, it's a great card. Um, when you have this card, if you're playing against someone good, they will play their entire game based on not putting too much in archives. <laughs> so yes. it can change decks that normally would do one thing and make them rethink their entire way of playing the match. That it happened the last tournament I was at. Yep. Yep, totally. 
super great. All right, uh, you go ahead. Entropic Squirrel is an action. It's to play, choose a creature. For each trait that creature has, deal it two damage and gain Great way to burst up on Amber, either with killing your own creatures or your opponents. But anytime you can pick a creature, just two different trades you're getting four Amber. So trading one card for two four Amber. more Amber sounds fantastic. Two Amber. Sorry, I can't count. That's okay. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's multiplication. Nobody nobody can do that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, it's It makes sense that it doesn't have a, a bonus Amber because it, it really doesn't need it to be good. I'm never sad to have it. Being able to sacrifice one of my own creatures for two or more amber or kill an opponent's creature for two or more amber is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Totally. All right. Fetch Drones is an artifact. It says action, discard the top two cards of your deck. For each Logos card discarded this way, a friendly creature captures two. One of the weirdest cards in this set. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, of Logos card, but uh, situationally awesome if you're really trying to figure out a way to hold someone off a key and you want to have that Logos turn. Yeah, I have a deck with this and the Reassembling Automaton and uh, it's really nice when you can capture potentially four Amber onto the Automaton. Um, yeah, and it was an AOA too, but I think it got better in Worlds Collide. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I'll do the next one. Um, so the next one is Hyde. Hyde is a four-power human scientist. Uh, Hyde always comes with Vellum. Vellum is a special rarity card. Um, so Hyde is a four-power human scientist with Reap. Draw a card. If you control Vellum, draw two cards instead. And Destroyed, archive Vellum from your discard pile if you do archive Hyde. So... Um, Basically, it's reap draw card, but if Vellum is out, then it's draw two cards. And uh, if Vellum is already in your discard pile when Hyde is destroyed, then you archive both of them. Is uh, the the easier way to say all that. Vellum, I'll spoiler it now, um, is a two power human scientist that parallels Hyde, uh, but it's it's uh, archive instead of draw. So when Vellum reaps, you archive a card. But if you also have hide on the board, then you archive two cards. Um, and if you have both of them, they're pretty they're pretty amazing. Um, the you know if you only have one, they're just kind of okay in my opinion. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I never feel bad about having them in a deck. If I'm playing against them, they are a priority target because if I leave them on the turn for the table for one turn, my odds of winning just went way down. Yes. Yep, totally. Um, I think like the the ideal situation almost is to get like a get a hide down or we'll get one of them down turn one, and then get to play the other one turn two, so you actually you know fire the fire it for two. Mm -hmm. um, and then next up is knowledge is power. Uh, this is an oldie but goodie. Knowledge is power is an action. No amber pip on this one, but uh, you choose one. You either archive a card, or for each archived card you have, you gain one. So if you if you pick the first one, it's worse than lab work. Uh, but if you have a lot of other archive in your deck, then suddenly this is like a gain a lot of amber. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have this in a deck with Edai so far. Uh, I wish I did. 
you know, it's never a card I'm going to feel too bad about. Um, yes, there's lab works better by itself, but if you can have multiple knowledge of power, or if you're already archiving, this card becomes stronger because you get more choices. Mm -hmm. um, definitely combos well with anything that like Edai or other cards that archive because you get to gain that amber if you are just trying to save cards for those uh, strong turns or for those situations that you need. Yeah, totally. All right, go for it. Master the Theory is an action with an amber pip. Play, if there are no friendly creatures in play, you may archive a card for each enemy creature. With the Amber Pip, I'll never feel too bad having this, but it assumes that you're behind, at least on this particular turn, so you can archive. But it does combo well with things that you want to save for later or archive to uh, just add up with the e dies. So I'm never going to feel too bad about having it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Hmm... I'd, I'd always rather have something like a sloppy lab work, but but it's fine. Yeah, it's it's occasionally and it's occasionally very good, um, but just generally it's fine. All right. Mimic Gel is a zero power creature that's shapeshifter and mutant. Mimic Gel cannot be played unless there's another creature in play. Mimic Shell enters play as a copy of another creature in play, except it belongs to House Logos. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, one of the best cards in this set for Logos, because all of the cards that have great play or reap or fight abilities, you get to copy them. Yeah, totally. I've seen it come into play as an Edai. I've seen it come into play as a Crassosaurus. Um... I've seen it come into play as a Theros Centurion, uh, an Infernus. Lots of good options. And I assume that once there's those two card creatures coming in next set, that you'll be able to have your Mimic Shell become those. Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Wow, that's gross. <laughs> Oof. Um... By the way, be careful. I So I have one deck that has two Mimic Gels, uh, and I can attest that if you play a second Mimic Gel, uh, the Crucible Online will break. <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't tried it in a while, but last time I checked, it just, uh, it, it just can't handle it. So buyer beware. Um, Alright, so the next creature up is Neutron Shark. This has been in every set, and it's a very fun card. It's a one-power beast and mutant that has play, fight, reap, destroy an enemy creature or artifact, and a friendly creature or artifact. Discard the top card of your deck. If that card is not a Logos card, trigger this effect again. Uh, and you can just wipe the board with this if you go long enough. Uh, especially if you have most of your Logos cards in play. This can kind of go on as long as you want it to. Uh, when you do finally want it to end, the surest way to end it is to choose the Neutron Shark itself as the as the friendly creature that's being destroyed. Um, when that happens, you do finish the instructions by discarding the top card of your deck. But even if it's a non-Logos card, at that point when you try to repeat the effect, you're unable to. Uh, yeah, it's great. Definitely a great way to get some control on the board and start killing things. And um, one of the few cards that lets you choose between destroying artifacts or creatures. So 
definitely a lot more utility than many other cards like it. Yeah, absolutely. This is, and I think, I mean, remote access lets you use an opponent's artifact, but this is uh, one of, I think, two cards in Logos that will actually let you destroy it. So, fantastic. Mm, okay. Next up is Pocket Universe. Pocket Universe is, I think, terrible uh, most of the time. It's an artifact, an item. You can spend amber on it when you're forging keys, and you can exhaust it to move an amber from your pool to it. Um, and I just don't think it's usually worth doing. Especially as you're getting the more competitive levels, it's going to be less beneficial, because mm -hmm. most decks will have a way to deal with an artifact, and you'll just lose that amber, and it doesn't have an amber pip on it, and you have to actually use it every time to actually get the amber over there, so the the amount of benefit versus the weight that it has in your deck is pretty poor. I, yeah. I think I'd be ten times happier if it had an amber pip on it, so that I wasn't having to spend extra time getting benefit from it. Yeah, correct. Yep. Alright, go for it. Uh, prescriptive Grammar Bot is a 3-power creature robot with Taunt and Hazardous 3. It says Reap and Raise a Creature. It's always nice to have a creature in Logos that has Taunt to protect your little dudes, and the Hazardous 3 it definitely makes it challenging for someone to get through to actually kill it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice. I wish I had I wish I had more of these. Um, but it is a it's a cool card. That and because I think you're a bit of a grammar robot. I am, and I'm prescriptive. I know. It's a it's a great card. I think you see yourself in this creature. Yes. Yep. All right. Next is Replicator. It's a two power creature mutant. Its reap ability has triggered the reap effect of another creature in play, as if you controlled that creature. It does point out the other creature as an exhaust. Mm -hmm. um, sort of similar to Mimic Gel, where you get to uh, use the benefit of another thing, only this one you can rechoose every single time you use it. Uh, if I'm playing against this, I know I have to kill it, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, getting those reap triggers can be real bad. Yeah, and... Um, you know, worst case scenario, there's nothing to trigger, and so you just reap with it. But best case scenario, you have, like, a lot of options to pick from, and uh, they're all good. You know, it, it can be pretty ridiculous. I mean, you could combo it with Vellum or uh, Hide and end mm -hmm. up with two card draws or two two archives, which is pretty awesome. Um, or if you ever manage to have an opponent that gets a uh, bibliophile to stick, then all of a sudden you're getting that benefit, too. Yeah, or even worse, if your opponent has like a, a Quester Jarta out, you can reap with the Replicator and exalt the Quester Jarta to get an extra Amber, um, which is pretty mean. Sounds fantastic to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, next up is Scientifical Hack. This is an artifact with a bonus Amber. It's an equation, and it has an Omni ability. Um, which means you can use this ability no matter uh, what your active house is. And uh, the Omni ability is Sacrifice Scientifical Hack. For the remainder of the turn, you may use friendly artifacts as if they belong to the active house. Um, 
this is usually not great, but occasionally very cool. Yeah, it definitely depends on you having other artifacts in your deck, which is right. not for sure. But if you have other artifacts, then it becomes uh, very good because it can combo with them on your uh, your current turn. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next up is the other automata. This is... Um, oh, this is not an automaton. This is automata, so it's a, it's a plural. Uh, but this is a one-power robot, but its destroyed ability is if you have any other creatures in play, instead of destroying the self-bolstering automata, fully heal it, exhaust it, and move it to a flank. And if you do, give it two plus one power counters. Um, the if you do is important here because the if you do is re is responding, is uh, referencing number one, fully heal it, number two, exhaust it, and number three, move it to a flank. So if it was already exhausted, or if it didn't have damage, uh, you don't give it the plus the two plus one power counters. Um, interestingly, I'm not sure about the move to a flank part because they recently ruled that moving something uh, to a flank, if it's already on a flank, you don't have to move it to the other one. You can move it to the same flank. Um, so I think that might still count as moving, but that's a little, that's a little complicated. We'll leave that for Neil. Uh, yeah, but it's pretty good. And I think this same as the other one, you know, is great to capture onto, great to put strong upgrades onto. It's a nice card. Mm -hmm. I don't really have much to add. Uh, definitely one of those cards that can be situationally awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, your turn. Next is Strange Gizmo. It's an artifact with an amber pip. On the card it says, after you forge a key, destroy each creature and artifact. Uh, one of those cards that's very situational uh, because it requires the board to be destroyed after you forge. Uh, I do know a friend who recently was in a tournament and he said that his board wipe was Strange Gizmo and he won games that way playing around it. So yep. if you're, you're working hard to use it for the right situation, it can be very good. Yep. Absolutely. Next is Universal Keylock. It is the artifact with an amber pip also. Uh, it's considered an item. Keys cost plus three. After a player forges a key, destroy Universal Keylock. So definitely, if you think your opponent's the next to forge a key or heading that direction, this is your chance to slow them down and make them spend extra. Yeah, or I would even say if, like, um, if you're ahead, you know, if you have two keys and they have one, this might be a good play just to just to give you some space. Um, I'd love to see this in a deck with, like, Cutthroat Research, for example. I think that'd be pretty good. Yep, um, great combo. Yeah. Um, and if you have this in a, in a deck with cards like... Um, Let's say you have a, a neutron shark or a hawk or something like that. You you can even play this knowing that if you need to destroy it to give yourself the ability to forge, you you have ways to do it. Mm 
Uh, cool. Um, so next one is Universal Recycle Bin. This is an artifact with a bonus amber. It's an item, and it uh, it violates a pretty key assumption we would have made about the game early on. Um, it, it can exhaust to archive a purged card you own. Um, so uh, you get you get that purge stuff back. No, it is a rare, so it's not like purge stuff is coming back all over the place. Uh, but that is a pretty cool and potentially impactful uh, thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. I think the main application that would, would be sort of game-changing is in, against those Infernus decks. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a way to get cards back that you really want. Yeah. Or if you have your own Infernus deck that combos with it, you could purge stuff that you have that's worth two Amber Pips and plan on having a way to actually get it back later and put it in your archives. Oh yeah, this with a uh, with like a legacy dust pixie or uh, ghostly hand or maybe a fuzzy ruin that'd be pretty pretty cool. Yep. Mm, all right, and then uh, or even better, you could mm -hmm. use it with virtuous works. Yeah, yeah. If you had that'd be a, that'd be a legacy maverick, but we we could see this. I don't know what all is going to be in the next set. We could potentially see this with virtuous works there. Um. Yeah. It definitely has a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and the Amber Pip on it makes it so that no matter what, you're not going to feel bad having it. Yeah. Yep. All right. And then uh, next, is this the last one? Oh, no, not quite. Uh, oh, I guess we already covered Vellum. So, yeah, this really is the last one. Uh, Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik is a four-power cyborg leader with two armor. And it says that during your draw card step, if it is in the center of your battle line, you refill your hand to two additional cards, which is just bonkers. I think this is one of the I think this is one of the two best leaders in my opinion. Don't have an argument there. Uh, it's great to get early just to get rolling. It's so strong that especially in the early game, unless your opponent has a board wipe in hand right away, you're you're running away with the game from the get go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think it sometimes even makes sense to like discard a creature to keep this in the center if that's what you have to do. It's that good. Mm -hmm. Um cool. All right. Well, that is yeah, the last one we have is Vellum, which we talked about earlier. Um that's the Logos card pool. Anything you want to add, Stuart? Uh I think I already said it all. I, I think that it's the best house because it combos with everything and makes everything better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been sad to... I don't, I don't think I have any decks where I think, ah, if only I had this instead of Logos. Um, yeah, it's Yeah, even good. in some of the worst decks I have, it, Logos is usually the best house in those decks. Yeah. Um, I, I recently took a really deck to a uh, adaptive tournament mm -hmm. and the logos house made it so the rest of the deck was almost viable <laughs> right um there was one game at forged two keys uh and and really came close to actually winning one and it's it makes it made it deceptively sucky because it looked like it should be able to do something with all the <laughs> awesome uh stuff in the logos house but the other right. houses were just too heavy right couldn't carry them. Shoulders got shoulders got too tired. 
Nice. Uh, cool. Well, thanks so much for uh, for doing this with me. I had fun. I hope you had a good time too. Definitely. Um, and uh, we'll all look forward to doing this again once Mass Mutation comes out. I think I promised Logos to somebody else already, but we'll have to. You now have to figure out a different house to tackle. Um, sure, no problem. So, I'm making promises, but not not too high of promises there. Um, yeah, thanks, and to everybody listening, hope you enjoyed this. Hope you find it helpful. And uh, the the last one that I have lined up is going to be Untamed. I'll try to get that out uh, sooner, at least before Mass Mutation comes out. And until then, uh, get out there and forge some keys. Thanks.